The following is a presentation of Broadway Church in Vancouver, British Columbia. For additional media, visit broadwaychurch.com. David versus Goliath. David versus Goliath has become uh, synonymous with the story of the underdog. It's one of the most uh, uh, popular pop culture phrases. In this, in this biblically illiterate culture, it seems that everyone knows what we're talking about when we say David versus Goliath. Now, how many times have you been watching sports on TV and uh, the announcer comes on and says, this is quite the David versus Goliath matchup today. And everyone knows what they're talking about. There's a major, major underdog. I was watching Jimmy Fallon last week. And he references David and Goliath, and, and everyone just nods along like we know what, we, what he's talking about. Like, David and Goliath get more shout-outs in pop culture than Santa Claus and Justin Bieber combined. You know what I'm saying? Like, everybody knows David and, Okay, not the Biebs. The Biebs gets more shout-outs, okay? But everybody knows what we're talking about um, when we say David and Goliath. Now, the funny thing about David and Goliath is everyone, regardless of gender, age, race, background, like everyone's pretty much on the same page when it comes to David and Goliath. I like the way Wilt Chamberlain summed it up. He said, everybody pulls for David. Nobody, I mean, nobody roots for Goliath, right? Am I right? So we're in week three of our series called The Pursuit. And uh, we're taking lessons from the life of King David and we're learning what it means to pursue God. Now, so far in this series, we've already learned That in Acts 13, uh, David was a man after God's own heart. And so we've been asking the question, what does it really look like to be people after God's own heart? So we've already learned that um, to be someone after God's own heart, to be a person after God's own heart, it means you want to worship, it means you try to trust, and it means you plan to pursue. This is what it looks like to be someone that that is a person after God's own heart. It doesn't mean you're perfect, but it means you want to worship. It means you try to trust and and it means you plan to pursue. Now, many of us, we're actually trying to do this, right? We're we're, we're trying to live out our destiny, what what God has for us, a preferred future that God has for us. And, And we're trying to be people after God's own heart, but you know just as well as I do that sometimes things come and cut us off in life, Right? Some things block us out. We we stumble along the way. Oftentimes, we find ourselves standing before a giant, and we don't know what to do. And and on our best day, sometimes the, the giant just makes us stumble, but on our worst day, we can be completely derailed. Now today, as you sit here, some of you guys you're facing a pretty mighty giant in your life. Some of you guys, you you will be battling a mighty big giant in your future. But I believe today's message can help. Today we're going to be talking about how to defeat a giant. Now if you're going to defeat a giant, it's a matter of three things. As your outline says, it's a matter of timing, it's a matter of trusting, and it's a matter of taking. So I want to break these things down one at a time and kind of step, walk you through them uh, step by step. So we're going to break down uh, the, the, how it's a matter of timing, a matter of trusting, and a matter of taking by looking at a very familiar story of an underdog who defeats a giant. So if you're going to defeat, if you're going to defeat a giant, it's a matter of timing. Now, at this point in David's life, 
He's still only a boy, okay? He's the youngest of eight brothers. He's a nobody in a family of nobodies. He's a shepherd boy, and all he does every day is watch his father's sheep. So this day in David's life started like any other day. He planned to tend his father's sheep like he'd done the day before that and the day before that and the year before that and the year before that. But this day would turn out to be quite different. You see, Jesse, David's father, sends him to go check on David's three oldest brothers who are fighting in Saul's army. They're fighting against the Philistines. The brothers have been gone for at least 40 days, and Jesse's now beginning to get a little bit worried. You see, in those days, countries didn't have just standing armies, like, ready at the king's disposal. Uh, the king would look for volunteers to, to fight when they needed to go to war. So David goes and visits his brothers on the front lines as he's asked. And when he arrives, he finds the Israelite army cowering in fear because of the taunts of a Philistine giant named Goliath. Now, Goliath was over nine feet tall. Even Israel's king Saul was afraid to face the giant in battle. But while Saul's army and Saul are all hiding in their tents, cowering in fear, David hears the taunts of the giant. He hears the giant blaspheme the name of God and challenge the people of God. And so David, little David, goes to the king and he says this. This is 1 Samuel 17, He says, don't worry about this Philistine. I will go fight him. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You dead, boy. Like he's, there's no way you're gonna win. He says, you're only a boy. And he's been a man of war since his youth. But David persisted. I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and I rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it outside. How about that? No, he says, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. I've done this both to lions and bears and I'll do this to the pagan Philistine too. For he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. Saul finally consented. All right, go ahead, he said, and may the Lord be with you. You see, Saul thought the giant was too big to fight. David thought the giant was too big to miss. And so David heads out into battle. See, that day started like any other day David had ever known, but by the time the sun went down that evening, he found himself face to face with a giant. Isn't that how the like, giants in our life come to us? Like they come out of nowhere, right? We wake up like it's any other day, and then, you know, lunch hits, and boom, there's a giant standing in our way. Rarely do giants give us notice they're coming, Right? They don't schedule it in. You never get a phone call from a giant. Hello? Yeah. Super big, scary, ugly giant in my life? Yeah. Oh, you want to, oh, pop in? No, no. Tuesday's no good. Can we, can we try Thursday at three? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I'll have more time. I'll be less stressed out. Yeah, yeah. My kid's down for a nap. Yeah. Thursday at three coming to my, that doesn't happen. Giants don't schedule their visits. They, they come out of nowhere. 
You wake up one morning with a paycheck, but you go to bed unemployed. Giant. You get a call from your landlord and, and they tell you that you need to start looking for a new place to live. Giant. You're in a happy relationship. You think everything's going great. But then your partner tells you, we need to talk. <laughs> Giant. You get a call from the, your child's principal at school. They've just been suspended. Giant. One day you're in relatively good health. The next day your doctor informs you that you're now in the fight for your life against cancer. Giant. See, when these giants come into our life, they often catch us off guard. They frighten us. And most of the time, we have no idea what to do. If we're going to stand any chance at defeating a giant in our life, we first need to understand this. As your outline says, giants don't just show up. Giants don't just show up. Their appearance is well-timed. Their appearance is well-timed. Now, what I mean to say is, is giants aren't just random. Giants aren't just random. Their presence is on purpose. Now, from our perspective, they just show up, right? From our perspective, it's like, whammo, there's a giant in my life. But from God's perspective, they're all a part of his perfect plan. Hold up, hold up, Simon. Giants are a part of God's perfect plan? No, 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 you mean giants are a part of the devil's perfect plan, right? That giant works for the devil, I'm pretty sure. Now listen, the giants in your life, no matter how big and ugly and scary they may be, they're all a part of God's perfect timing in your life. See, when David was an old man, he reflected back on his life, on his experiences, and he wrote down everything that he had encountered. Now, listen to the very words of David as he saw God's ultimate provision and action in his life. This is Psalm 37, verse 23. It says, the Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. Though they stumble, they will never fall. For the Lord holds them by the hand. Once I was young and now I am old, yet I have never seen the godly abandoned or their children begging for bread. You see, if we could start to grasp the truth that nothing comes our way apart from the will of God, it will change how we start to look at the giants in our life. If we can start to grasp the truth that nothing will come our way apart from the will of God, it will start to change how we start to see the giants in our life. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, okay, Simon, this is all well and good, but like, why does God allow the giants in the first place? Like, couldn't he just do away with giants in our life? Now, that's a good question. <laughs> It's a fair question, but to answer that, I kind of have to take a side tangent. I want to tell you another little story. Now, this story is about the same Israelites that's, that's, that stood uh, cowering in the valley of Elah before Goliath and his mighty taunts. This is years and years and years before Goliath. The Israelites were asking the same question, like, why does God allow giants in our life? See, years before Goliath showed up, the nation of Israel was just getting established, 
Now, they're kind of wandering through the desert looking for the promised land where they would eventually settle that, that God had promised them. Now, Moses was leading the nation of Israel at the time, and so he sent out 12 spies into the land to see who's there, can we take that land, is that where we're gonna settle? And these spies come back with a report. So this is the report that they brought in Numbers chapter 13. The spies said, we entered the land that you sent us to explore and indeed, it is a bountiful country. The land is flowing with milk and honey. Here's some kind of fruit it produces. And they, they show all the fruit. and it's, it's good stuff. But the people, the people living there are powerful. And the towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. But Caleb tried to quiet the people, one of the spies. And he stood before Moses and he said, let's go at once and take the land. He said, we certainly can conquer it. But the other men who explored the land, they disagreed. You can't go up against them. They're stronger than we are. So they spread a bad report about the land among the Israelites. They said, the land we traveled through, th that we explored, it will devour anyone who goes to live there. All the people we saw are huge we even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. And next to them, we felt like grasshoppers and they thought the same as well. So the nation of Israel, they listened to this negative report from the spies and in turn, they spent 38 more years wandering around the wilderness looking for the promised land. Now, let me ask you, did God know about those giants? Could God have removed the giants before Israel arrived? Did God allow the giants to be there? Yeah. Yes, he knew they were there. Yes, he could have removed them. And yes, he allowed them to be there. You see, God wanted Israel to face those giants. 40 years later, when they're coming back through the Jordan River to the promised land, guess what was waiting for them? The giants were still there waiting. You can read about it in Deuteronomy 9. Those same giants were still there. The descendants of Anak were waiting for the Israelites. See, God wanted Israel to face those giants. And God wants you to face your giants also. God wants you to face your giants also. We see this time and time again throughout the Bible. And not just with physical giants. The disciples caught in the middle of a storm out of nowhere, giant. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego found themselves in the middle of a fiery furnace, giant. Moses up against the Red Sea, giant. Paul facing persecution, abandonment, imprisonment, shipwrecked, giant. Daniel thrown into the lion's den, giant. Lazarus dying, giant. See, God knew about all of these giants because they were all a part of his perfect plan. All a part of his perfect timing. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. That giant in your life, that giant in your life didn't get there by accident. That giant in your life is there by the providence of God. It is there because God sent it or God allowed it. It is there because God, in his precise timing, wanted you to face that giant when it came to you. As your outline says, even giants work for God.
Even giants work for God. If we can understand that, that giants come according to God's timing, we are well on our way to defeat them. When it comes to defeating a giant, we've learned it's a matter of timing, but it's also a matter of trusting. It's a matter of trusting. You see, David's trust was not in the army. His trust was not in his armor, but in the Lord Almighty. Remember what David said to Saul? He said, the Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. The same God who had given him victories in the fields over the animal was the same God that was going to give him victory over the giant in the valley. So David, he leaves Saul's presence with his permission to go fight Goliath and he heads down to the stream to prepare for battle. Let's pick up the story. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 40. Then he took his staff in his hand. He chose five smooth stones from the stream. He put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag and with a sling in his hand, he approached the Philistine. Meanwhile, the Philistine with his shield bearer in front of him kept coming closer and closer to David. He looked David over and saw that he was only a boy, ruddy and handsome, and he despised him. He said to David, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his God. He said, come here, I'll give your flesh to the birds and to the wild animals. David, he looks up at the giant standing in front of him. And he says to the Philistine, you come against me with a sword, a spear, and a javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defied. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I will strike you down and cut off your head. This very day, I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and to the wild animals and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know it's not by sword or by spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. You see what David's doing here? David is putting the full weight, he's putting the full weight of his trust in God. He didn't care how others saw him. He cared how God saw him. And he put his trust in how God saw him. Do you remember how Goliath saw him? Remember how when Goliath looked at him, what Goliath saw? We, read, we just read this, 1 Samuel 41, uh, chapter 17, verse 41. He looked David over and saw that he was only a boy. That's interesting, right? Remember how King Saul saw him when, when, when David went to Saul to say, hey, I want to fight Goliath? 1 Samuel 17, 33, Saul replied, don't be ridiculous. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You are only a boy. Regardless if it was David's family, whether it was King Saul or it was the giant Goliath, they all saw him as only a boy. But God saw so much more than that. Because David placed the full weight of his trust in how God saw him, he was actually able to see himself, not how others saw him. It's so easy, hey, for us to focus on how others see us, right? It's so easy for us to, to listen to the critics' beak in our life, right? 
It's so easy for other people to cut us down, other people to point out our shortcomings, other people will judge us by only what their eyes can see. Personally, I, I love it how Taylor Swift so eloquently put it. Haters gonna hate, 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 hate. You best be shaking it off, Taylor, right? This is, this is, this is the truth. Haters gonna hate. Um, I love the way that Babe Ruth, the famous ba baseball player, uh, deals with his critics. He says, the loudest boos always come from the cheapest seats, right? As your outline says, God is not sitting in the cheap seats of your life. God is not sitting in the cheap seats of your life. He is right beside you. He is leading your every step. He is guiding your every decision. And his view of you, you ready? His view of you is perfect. His view of you is perfect. He calls you mighty warrior. He looks at you and says, you are more than a conqueror. He sees you perfectly and says, you are my beloved so don't you dare believe it. Don't you dare believe it when a giant stands and balks at you that you are only a boy or you are only a girl. You are only a student. You are only a senior. You are only a single parent. You are only a dropout. You are only an addict or you are only a victim because that's not how God sees you and that's not all you are. Amen? God sees you perfectly. He knows you and he loves you. You are more than just only a something to him. He sees you perfectly. You're so much more than how others see you. See, David didn't listen to the giant. He trusted in how God saw him. Okay, let's recap. If we're gonna have any chance at defeating the giants in our life, we first must understand that all giants come into our life as a part of God's master timing. And once we understand that God's timing is perfect, it's so much easier to start to put our trust in God's master plan, right? We start to, to trust that he sees more in us than, than we even see in ourselves sometimes. So we got the timing down, we got the trusting down, now all that's left is the taking. You see, it's, it's, it becomes a time where the, the talking must stop and the, and the taking must begin. It was time for David to take what God had already given him. Let's continue the story. 1 Samuel 17, 48. As the Philistines moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone, with a sword in his hand. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. You see, David didn't timidly saunter up to the battle line. Oh, hi, Goliath. I guess it's time to do battle. <laughs> he didn't saunter up. He ran. He ran quickly toward the battle line. He ran towards the giant, ready to take his shot. See, David knew that he was the one that actually had to take the shot, but he understood that the, the battle wasn't his. The battle belonged to the Lord. Is there a giant in your life that is about time you start to face? 
Is it time for the talking to be over and, and time for taking finally here? Is there a giant in your life that requires immediate action? Is it time you take your shot? If we surrender to God's timing, if we put the full weight of our trust in God, the battle's not yours. The battle belongs to the Lord. Believe it or not, you are a giant killer. You are a giant killer. Not because you possess any power, but you serve a God who possesses all power. Amen? You are a giant killer. Not because your aim is good, but you serve a God who never misses. Amen? You are a giant killer. Not because you deserve anything at all from God, but God has already promised you victory through his son, Jesus Christ. Amen? You are a giant killer. Thank you. You are a giant killer. So be ready to take your shot and see if your giant falls. Now, it should be noted, this is pretty key, okay, before you're out there killing giants and everything. It should be noted that not all giants fall after one shot, Hey. Okay? Isn't that the truth? Not all giants fall after one shot. And, and I am absolutely convinced that this is why David took five stones to kill one giant, right? Some giants don't fall easily. Goliath went down in one shot, but, but your giant and my giant might take many more shots than that. As your outline says, when you take your shot, if your giant doesn't fall, keep slinging. Keep slinging. See, David, he knew he might miss on the first shot, but he was ready to keep slinging until he had the victory. So maybe today you're reminded, you're reminded it's obvious that your giant has not fallen yet. But just because he hasn't fallen yet doesn't mean he won't fall. Keep slinging. You be faithful to do your part and let God be faithful to do his and that brings me to the big idea for today. You see, the giant in front of you is never bigger than the God inside of you. Amen? The giant in front of you is never bigger than the God inside of you. You see, you now have the recipe to defeat a giant in your life. See, it's, it's a matter of timing. It's a matter of trusting. It's a matter of, of taking. Now, I should have one last note before we close if you choose to do nothing about your giant, if you choose to do nothing from this point forward, your giant won't go away on their own. If you choose to do nothing, your giant will get closer and closer and eventually he will defeat you. Your giant won't be content to just stand there and wait for you. He will take your life over if he can. Remember, the giant in front of you is never bigger than the God inside of you. Let me close today with the words of Max Licato. Uh, would these words just rejuvenate your soul? Would it call you to attention? And would God, I want to speak these words prophetically over you as, as you go, you giant slayer. Listen to what he wrote. Max Licato wrote this. He said, your Goliath, he doesn't carry sword or shield. He brandishes blades of unemployment, abandonment, sexual abuse, or depression. Your giant doesn't parade up and down the hills of Elah. 
He prances through your office, your bedroom, your classroom. He brings bills you can't pay, grades you can't make, people you can't please, whiskey you cannot resist, pornography you cannot refuse, a career you cannot escape, a past you cannot shake, and a future you cannot face. You you know well the roar of your Goliath. So lift your eyes, giant slayer, because the God who made a miracle out of David stands ready to make one out of you. Rise, giant slayer. The God who made a miracle out of David stands ready to make one out of you. So run to the battle line, load your sling, and take your shot. Amen? Amen.